I forget, I just got a text a while ago, Miss Joy Savage is going to have a pacemaker Tuesday, regional at 11 a.m. So remember Miss Joy. Uh, and, uh, and then also, uh, just on a note to kind of get you hungry, you know, I've, I, I've got 39 pages of notes this morning. <sighs> I'm trying to cut them down. I am cutting them way down. Really, I am. Uh, way, way down. But after the service, our Hispanic church, Brother Rolando and them, have made tamales for us. And they're $11 a dozen pork or chicken. And you can see Matt Newton in the fellowship hall and get them to go. They're hot. They're ready to serve at lunch uh, today or put in the freezer or anything you want to do. So, because uh, my mind, remind me if I forget that. Romans chapter 1, beginning in the first verse. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he has promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you this morning, how we've been blessed Would you continue, Lord, to let your Holy Spirit have control of this service? Do what you'd please. And, Lord, we're thankful. We want to be obedient. We want to to see you fall fresh. If you don't come down, Lord Jesus, everything we do is in vain. We trust you. We ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This begins a study of Romans. And uh, I tell you, we all need the study of Romans. There's not another book in the Bible that is more uh, complete as far as implications of salvation and spiritual growth uh, goes than the book of Romans. It was written somewhere around AD 56. Paul wrote it. It was carried to the Roman uh, by uh, Phoebe. Uh, It's a detailed explanation of sin, detailed explanation of spiritual growth, of God's sovereignty, salvation, and Christian service. Um, We live in a day today where the real truth is that I'm talking about myself. Now, I'm not talking about you. But I've probably been influenced far more by this world than I want to admit. We live in a day today where probably in our churches today, We're more concerned with what pleases the world and what will help our young people and keep them positive and keep them happy than we are with the things of God. And the book of Romans kind of straightens that out. Now, I want to just tell you this little story. It's been a wild day. I tell you, I didn't didn't know until we started singing that bluegrass, I knew God meant for me to be here. But I was worried about it up till then. I hugged a lady this morning over at Arabella and her Jewelry caught my button right there and ripped that thing off. And I thought, well, my my coat will cover it up. 
I got over here getting ready to come into church. My coat's not hanging on the door. Been hanging there three weeks, four weeks probably, the one I wanted to wear today. My lovely wife had decided it needed to go to the cleaners. So here I am without a coat. And of course, she's got one. She's uh, got a stomach problem. And I said, well, get out of here. Don't give it to nobody else. Uh, but she did bring me a coat to get into. But when the music started, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Amen. But this last week, now, now this is not the policy of this church. Okay? Hear me. I'm not talking about the policy of this church. I'm talking about the policy of Charles and Becky Hunt. We got a picture that our little granddaughter that's with us this morning, going into the fourth grade, got purple tips on her hair. Now, this is not the policy of this church. We love purple tips. But I'll tell you right now, Papa and Grandma do not love purple tips. <laughs> and, and, and the reason, I'll just be honest with you, I've seen little girls, and I've got a granddaughter that's headed that way in Dallas, that by the time they're 13 years old, they've already looked like a 21-year-old model. And so that's just something. I said, babe, we can't open our mouth. Just keep your mouth shut. Now, she can keep it shut to everybody else but me, but I've heard this all week long. I said, well, well let's just, we just pray and just go. When they showed up Friday night, there was no purple tips. I thought, well, hallelujah, what happened? You know? She got in the pool on July the 4th, and it was so much chlorine, it took all the purple tips out. I'm just telling you, now that's not this church's policy. I just want to give you my heart, all right? I think Romans will show us the way, not, not another way, not a best way, not a better way, but the way. And in this world today, there's so many people saying, oh, you can do this and get to heaven and you can do this and get to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes but through him. That's it. So Romans is going to show us that. St. Augustine, a tremendous theologian, was converted to Christ reading the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic monk trying to earn his way to heaven by doing good works. And he read Romans 1, 17, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That is, it is written, the just shall live by faith. He got saved and he changed his mind and literally ignited the Protestant Reformation. John Bunyan was in jail in Bedford, England, when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress because he read the book of Romans. John Wesley was at a prayer meeting at Aldersgate uh, Street, and uh, they were reading a preface of Luther on Romans, and he said he felt his heart get strangely warm. He was saved that night, sparked the great Methodist revival across England, and then came to America and spread revival all across America because he read the book of Romans. Had an amazing impact on so many, and I'm praying God help it to have an impact on us as we go through this book. First of all, I want you to see in this book that salvation is powerful. It's powerful. Uh, Paul's life was never 
the same. Verse 1 says that Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. He was changed. I mean, here's a guy that hated Christ. Here's a guy that was part of a dead religious system. He was a Pharisee. Here's a guy that thought he was helping God. He thought he was helping God by destroying and persecuting Christian churches. Hmm. But on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus face to face. He said, I'm not just a slave, I'm the bond slave. That was his favorite title for the Lord throughout uh, his writings there. Paul said, Jesus Christ is Lord, and it describes someone who owns slaves. Paul proudly is saying here, I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. What changes a man from being a persecuting person of Christ to a preacher of Christ? What changes a man that hates Jesus into a man that loves Jesus? What changes a man who's steeped in (laughs) self-righteousness to come to the point where he says, I have no righteousness except that of Jesus? What changes a man to do that? You see, Old Testament debtors, Became slaves for several reasons. One may be they, they uh, uh, couldn't pay their debts. Uh, some of them uh, were born into slavery. Some of them were sold into slavery. Some of them committed crimes and ended up into slavery. But every seven years, all of the debts were canceled. Whew, I wish we did that today. I'd run my MasterCard up on year six. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Every seven years. But, now listen, if the slave loved his master, and there were some good masters, a master who would feed them, a master who would clothe them, a master who would take care of a roof over their head, a master that treated them like a human being. If a slave came to that seven years and he said he's free, but that slave says, I I know I'm free, but I still want to be the slave of my master. He could go to the priest. Now, some of y'all thought you just invented these earring things a few years ago, but you didn't. He could go to the priest, and the priest would bore a hole through his ear. Hmm? And that would tell the public that he could have been free, but he chose to stay with his master. And that's, <laughs> oh, Paul said, listen, I could do all kinds of things. He was a Roman citizen. He could have done anything. But he said, I've chosen to stay with Jesus. I don't want to go free. I love my master. Uh, and, and Paul says, I bear in my body the stigmata or the marks of the slave. See, that's a question for us today. Are we really a bond servant today? See, here in our day and age, we have divorced the two. We have said you can make Jesus your Savior and not yet make him your Lord. But according to the Word of God, that's impossible to do. It's impossible. Today, Jesus, uh, they told the Philippian jailer there, Paul and them did, said, listen, you, you save your soul. God can save your soul. Jesus will save your soul. But he also desires to save your life. 
He doesn't just want to give you salvation for the future. He wants to take over your life right now. He wants you to have abundant life right now. See, he not only wants to save you from hell, he really wants to get the hell out of you right now. Only Jesus can do that. He wants your hands. He wants your feet. He wants your mind. He wants us to be a living vessel for him. That's the power of the gospel. Paul was changed. He not only was changed, though, but God chose Paul. He said, I'm chosen to be an apostle. Now, he had to surrender to serve Christ. He had to surrender to Christ before he could ever serve Christ. It's where a lot of people mess up. Uh, I don't care how much talent you got. I don't care how many gifts you got. I don't care what your ability is or what your personality is. If you've not surrendered yourself to serve God, you're not fit to serve God. You got to surrender. An apostle is one who was sent. Now, you tar and feather me if you want to, but technically, there are no apostles today. Because the Bible technically says that an apostle had to be able to see Jesus face to face. And a lot of folk in the Old Testament, in the New Testament here, uh, said, well, Paul doesn't qualify. Well, Paul said he did because he saw the Lord face to face on the Damascus Road. Apostle means one who was sent. It means a messenger. It means someone running an errand. Now, we know later on in Galatians, the church is built, the Bible says, by apostles, by prophets, by teachers, by evangelists, and by pastors. Now, the Bible also says that our church, our foundation, is laid by the apostles. Now, if you're going to build a house, You don't keep building a foundation on top of the foundation, on top of the foundation. That's why there's no need for apostles today. The foundation's been laid. It's the prophets, it's the teachers, it's the evangelists, it's the pastors that are building the walls and building the roof and adding to everything up. The foundation's already been laid. It's already finished. So in a narrow sense, there are no apostles today. But in a broader sense, every one of us have received a calling. We've all received a calling. Uh, Your calling may be to sing up here. My goodness. Mm, What an honor to sing in this group here. Some of the other praise teams were fighting over who got to sing the bluegrass today. Maybe your calling is at first impressions. You can smile and see and say thank you to people as they come in. Maybe your calling is working with Celebrate Recovery, Awana, youth ministry, life groups. God calls you. Now listen to me. The only thing that's going to keep you going in the future is the fact that you are called of God. Because if you don't understand you're called of God, you're going to throw in the towel and quit. You're going to throw in the towel and quit. I read this yesterday. I was at a funeral, and uh, hopefully it'll come up here. No, it didn't. Don't you love? Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Don't you love computers? Uh, Pastor Nichols, one of the first pastors I was with, First Baptist Church Tatum. He was there 23 years influenced my life. My life of service as a pastor was influenced by him more than any other person. 
in my entire life. I watched him go through problem after problem with a smile on his face. And I, 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 I quoted this song yesterday. It says, I don't regret a mile I've traveled for the Lord. I don't regret the times I've trusted in his word. I've seen the years go by many days without a song, but I don't regret a mile I've traveled for the Lord. I've dreamed many a dream that's never come true. I've seen them vanish at dawn, but enough of my dreams have come true to make me keep dreaming on. I prayed many a prayer that seemed no answer would come, though I'd waited so patient and long. But enough answers have come to my prayers to make me keep praying on. I've sown many a seed that's fallen by the wayside for the birds to feed upon. But I've held enough golden sheaves in my hands to keep me sowing on. I've trusted many a friend that's failed me and left me to weep alone. But enough of my friends have been true blue to make me keep trusting on. I've drained a cup of disappointment and pain and gone many a day without a song. But I've sipped the nectar from the roses of life to make me want to live on. I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for the Lord. Can you say that this morning? Say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to be, Lord, I'm going to be that. I don't regret a mile. You've got to be called of God. But not only was he chosen, not only was he called, he was cheerful. Oh, Paul was cheerful. Now, I believe the word of God's true. I believe every word of it's true. And uh, even at the risk of maybe people saying, I'm not going to join this church, I believe this church needs to stand on the word of God and not be wishy-washy. I believe we don't need to color, uh, water things down. I think we need to do it, but we need to do it in love. But the Christian faith is not a sad, depressing time. I mean, I know people, well, I mean, they're separated, separated, separated. I'm separated. I don't believe in Christmas trees. I don't believe in, in uh, uh, candy. I, I mean, this week I've had a good dose of it. I have seen Peter Rabbit 14 times <laughs> this very week. And there are a lot of folk in the church like the McGregors, the old McGregor and then the young McGregor. That's just against everything. And I'm against what God is against, and I'm for what God is for. But listen how he uses the word separated here. He said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God, unto. Now, where I came from, the gospel was good news. The bad news is we're all sinners and we're all condemned to hell. When you understand the bad news, it makes the good news a whole lot more happier. To know that we can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. I'm separated to something good. Not just the don'ts, but the do's. We've been changed. We've been chosen. Paul also, the the, the truth is this. A born-again child of God ought to have more fun on our worst day than somebody lost has on their best day. 
because we've been redeemed. 30 souls in 30 days. Remember this this week, this month. We're lifeguards, not policemen. We're not judges. We're lifeguards. When someone's drowning out there in the middle of the pool, you don't sit there and lecture them on why they shouldn't have been out there in the middle of the pool. You get off your blessed assurance and you go show them how to be saved. And that's what we need to do in this world. Do you not think that probably most people when they're living in sin know they're doing wrong? I mean, they know that. The Holy Spirit will convict them of that. They don't need somebody else to tell them that. They need somebody to show them in their life how they can live for Jesus and have a happy life. Salvation is powerful, but also there's only one who can give salvation, and that's Jesus. A lot of different ways today, but the promise of Christ all throughout the Old Testament, there's nothing but the promise of Christ. I mean, when you look out and you see the tabernacle there, that tabernacle says there's somebody coming. When you see the temple being built, that temple said there's somebody coming. When you see the prophecies, it says there's somebody coming. When that lamb was slain there and the blood was put on the doorpost, it said somebody's coming. When there's only one door on the ark, it says somebody's coming. And that somebody is Jesus. He's coming. You want to know about Jesus? He was born of a virgin. He came down the lineage of David. He was born in Bethlehem. His name was Emmanuel. The prophecy said he would, uh, he would not have a broken bone, yet he'd be crucified. And that's what they always did. They broke the bones of the people on the crosses so that they literally would drown in their own uh, 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 liquid. But when they came to Jesus, they said, uh, he's already dead. Don't even bother with it. Well, that's straight out of Old Testament prophecy. I mean, good grief, man. How can you not know that Jesus is the Messiah? This Bible was written 66 books over 1,500 years, 40 authors written in three languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine uh, Greek. It's a scarlet river of blood that flows to the cross and then from the cross and then right here this morning where you can be saved. <laughs> right here. The promise, the person of Christ. Jesus is who the Bible says he is. He's fully God. He's fully man. Verse 3 says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to his flesh. Now, when he says that there, some people jump on that and say, well, God created Jesus, so he's really not part of the Trinity. No, what he's saying here is just like I am the same stuff as my daddy, Lonnie Hunt. I'm made of the same stuff. That's exactly what he's saying here. Jesus is the same stuff as his father. He's the same, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, born of the seed of David. He was all flesh, yet he was all God. You say, well, I can't figure that out. I, ain't, I can't either. But I believe it. And then there's the power of Christ. 
You see, when we surrender our life to Christ, his desires become my desires. His agenda becomes my agenda. His mind becomes my mind. His appetites become my appetite. His life becomes my life. And I want to tell you, folks, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus is in us today. He's in this room today, and he'll speak to you. And if you'll invite him to come in and take over your life, he'll never leave you nor forsake you for all of eternity to manifest the likeness of Christ. Let, let, let me just touch on the seeds of salvation. We're up to page 32 right now. <laughs> Verse 5 says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. That's exactly what 30 souls in 30 days is about. We have a responsibility to share the gospel, to sow the seed. We have a task. We also have a privilege. As servants, we're to be spreading the gospel, have an attitude of obedience. Now, our assignment is to all of the nations. Now, let me just ask you one easy, quick question. If we're not going to reach East Texas, how are we going to reach all the nations? It's going to have to start right here. It's going to have to start right here. It's going to have to start with us in this room. That we reach out and begin to tell people that we, we speak Jesus, we live Jesus, we pray Jesus, we preach Jesus. No other name given among men whereby they can be saved but the name of Jesus. Verse 7 to all that be in Rome. Rome's the largest city in the world, had a tremendous road system uh, like no other. Wealth was just fluently, abundance was there. Massive temples were built. Emperor's word was a law, but morality did not exist. See, some, some people think this thing of LGBT just came about or in the last 10 years. Ah, you go back and study history, probably two out of the first three pharaohs were, were homosexuals. This is not something that just started. Folk, people are not the enemies. They're victims of the enemy. The enemy has been, is, and shall be the devil. That's who the enemy is. Here's a man arriving in Rome. And Paul always wanted to Rome, go to Rome. I, I dare say this wasn't the way he meant to get there. Through shipwreck, through a poisonous snake bite. But God got him there. And every home in Rome was touched. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. When an ain't becomes a saint. That's how it happens. You see, this morning, there are two groups of people here. There's the ain'ts, and there's the saints. And you say, well, I don't know about calling somebody a saint. Well, he does. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Maybe you need to go back and check on what your lifestyle is. God's called you to be a saint. He's called us to carry forth the word of God. To be a witness to those others. It's the good news. The day of grace. There was a young man on a horse pulling a wagon. And the horse bolted. Got away from him. 
He knew he was going to be killed. I mean, the horse was running wild. But another man saw what had happened, jumped on his horse, raced after the horse and wagon, grabbed the horse, slowed him down, and saved the young man's life. The young man grew up worthless. He was bent on destroying his life. One day he had done something drastic and he was brought before a judge. And as he was brought into the courtroom before the judge, he noticed that the judge was the same man who had saved his life earlier on in life. And he comes up to the judge and he said, Sir, have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. Remember when the horse bolted and you saved me? Have mercy. And the judge looked at the young man and he said, Son, in that day, I was your savior, but on this day, I'm your judge. Folk, you can come to Jesus now as savior, or you can wait. You can say, no, I'm not going to do that, but you will come to Jesus. He'll be at the great white throne judgment, and he won't be your friend. He won't be your buddy. He won't be your savior. He'll be your judge. H.G. Spafford, 1870, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Lived in Chicago, and that same year, he uh, lost almost all of his finances in the great Chicago fire. In 1873, he put his family on a ship. That ship sank, killing his four daughters. He got on the ship himself and went out to where the children had died. And he wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot. Thou hast taught me to say. It's well. It's well with my soul. You could get a hold of O.H.G. Spafford. And you said, Mr. Spafford. Was living for Jesus really worth it? I believe he'd tell you without hesitation, it was worth every bit of it. It was worth every bit of it. I'm asking you this morning, as we begin this study of Romans, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, don't don't think about all the things that you're going to have to give up. Think about all the things that you're going to get. Because not only has he separated us from something, he separated us to something far greater than anything we'll ever give up. Maybe you're here this morning, you need a church home. Maybe you're here this morning, you just need to come and pray at this altar. That's what these altar benches down here are for. I know a lot of people don't do that anymore, but I want to tell you, there's something There's something that'll grab a hold of you when you walk down this aisle down here and get on one of these altar benches and start praying. Would you bow your head? Our team's going to come to begin to sing, as they do. Would you say yes to whatever God's asking you to do this morning? Father, we're grateful that you have seen fit not only to come, but also to die on a cross, be buried in a tomb, be raised the third day, ascend into heaven. And you're interceding for every person in this place this morning. We don't take that lightly. 
Lord, would your Holy Spirit just confirm to people this morning what their need is in their life. And may they not say no. May they not say, I'm going to wait a while. Or may they not say, I'm not sure. Could they just say this morning, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I'm willing to do. That's what I'm willing to do. Let your spirit move. You have control. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? So we have our invitation this morning. I'm going to ask you to come. Christian, lead the way. Come, step out right now There's as they begin to sing. There's a place where mercy never dies. There's a place where streams of I forget, I just got a text a while ago, Miss Joy Savage is going to have a pacemaker Tuesday, regional at 11 a.m., so remember Miss Joy. Uh, and, uh, and then also, uh, just on a note to kind of get you hungry, 